0: Welcome along to SSE or Tristy League podcast. He is... Daniel Kelly. And I am Oshin Langan. You can get him on... At Esmishu Daniel. And you can get me on at O'Sean Langan. Coming up, Billy Woods, who played and coached with Colin Healy. We'll talk to him about what made Healy so good. Of course, he announced his retirement from professional football this week. We'll also hear from Gavin McLaughlin of DundalkSport.ie. He'll talk to us about the reaction to Stephen Kenny's comments about penalties and he hasn't just been talking about this once, it could very feasibly be a tactic.
1: His his program notes are always very concise and he puts a lot of thought into them but I do think that the fact that Cork have won their opening nine games and there's already a nine point gap to Dundalk has uh, Kenny feeling a little hot under the collar and it's a tactic that I'd say he probably wishes he didn't have to use but he's he's looking for another league title so he'll do anything he can to try and get it.
0: Okay, let's have a listen to what Stuart Byrne had to say about this particular situation. He joined the lads on Off the Ball on this week's League of Ireland slot which of course you can hear every Tuesday night just after half eight.
2: I miss all this stuff. You know, this this used to happen all the time when I played. We were just saying. <laughs> bring back, bring bring it back uh, yeah. Keeley and uh, Collins and all these boys. Let these guys go at it. Um, yeah, yeah, it does. It looks, it looks, it looks a little bit like 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 Sarah Grace, but he's entitled to defend his team as well. Like you know, we've seen this before. I mean, Alex Ferguson was a master at this, and Mourinho was a master at it as well. And it, it was always something that they Mourinho does very well, and Ferguson did very well. This idea of trying to take the pressure away from the team and sort of bring it on himself and sort of handle it that way. But it's a dangerous game because it's kind of deja vu here because this was very very similar to the year we had in in two thousand and five, uh, where we just everything just seemed to be got just. Wasn't right from the start of the season. Big injuries to big players. At that stage, it was on here. He missed them from the start of the season. Similar has happened to, to Dundalk, losing Steve O'Donnell. I know he's come back into the fray, but Pat Fennell at that stage had pretty much picked a fight with the autor- authorities, with referees, and it just kind of went on for a couple of months. And when it settled down, it was only then we kind of went and started to go and play. Mm. And that be i fi- would be fearful for Dundalk that this has to go away now, and they they, they need to kind of get back to, to the business in hand. It's not Stephen's game. It's not something that he would normally have done in the past. Okay, look, it might be it might be signs of a little bit of pressure now on on, on starting to come on the champions. This four in a row thing is something that is um, it's probably you know really kind of plays on the mind of mm. Stephen more than anything because he's a huge Shamrock Rovers fan. He remembers that that sort of famous yeah. team, and uh, maybe maybe that it's 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 getting a little,
1: getting to him a little uh, bit in, more. In, in,
0: Stewie Byrne talking to off the ball. It turns out you are actually one
1: hundred percent right. It is a bit of a hail mary play. I just bring these. I just I just speak sense, Oshin. That's all I do. And yeah, I just I just feel he's. I think he's under pressure very early. He okay, really
0: well, is. Stewie agrees with you, and as if to rub salt in my wound and ram home the point even further.
2: I've seen Dundalk this year, I've seen Cork, and I think Dundalk are are, are playing quite well. They're they're a, a way off where they were last year, of course. Um, when you lose that amount of players you will be mm. i wouldn't be as worried as they are portraying all of a sudden in this l- last week things have turned you, you get steven um coming out and and, and having a go about, about the penalties issues then they go and lose a home 3-1 to bray and all of a sudden it's amazing how quickly things can turn all of a sudden there's a negative cloud over dundalk and i think they need to get rid of that quickly because it's, it's not as bad as they think
0: so that's stewie Byrne talking to off the ball hitting the nail on the head there and he agrees with you, Dan. He says that Dundalk are worried about their form and that's why Stephen Kenny is doing this.
1: I think he has to because with only nine games gone in the season, there's already a nine-point gap and there's over two-thirds of the season to go. But with the teams playing each other only two more times this season, opportunities will be limited for uh, for Dundalk to try and get back to Cork directly. And I think he's going to try and do anything he can as early as possible to uh, for the benefit of his own side. Still
0: to come, Billy Woods on Colin Healy who retired this week and we'll hear from Bohemian striker Dinny Corcoran. We'll also run you through the fixtures. Uh, before that though, we're joined for a little bit more on this by DundalkSport.ie editor Gavin McLaughlin. Gavin, before we get to you, I want to play you this clip from Carl Shepard speaking after he scored against Bose in a 2-0 win last Friday night. It does, by the way, relate to to this whole penalty chat.
1: I was just happy that I went in at the time. Uh, maybe the ref like, could have been listening to some things during the week. We, we thought we had two Stonewall penalties tonight, but look, there weren't to be. We were just thankful that uh, we got to win tonight.
0: Now that's Carl Shepherd of Cork City speaking after his wonder goal in a 2-0 win against Bohemians. Cork City, 9 from 9. Gavin McLaughlin, the editor of DundalkSport.ie, joins us on News Talks SSE or Tristy League podcast. Uh, Gavin, you heard Car- Carol say there maybe the referee was look- listening to comments during the week and that's why maybe Cork City didn't get a penalty against both. Those comments coming from Stephen Kenny, kind of in two parts. You might try and explain both parts because the first part was to the um, Dundalk website and then the second part kind of continued on with yourself on the dundalksport.ie website
3: yeah O'Sheen it was a it it was an article released last week on the um, dundalk FC website where Stephen Kenny sort of was he was bemoaning uh, dundalks lack of penalties in the the league over the last over the last 12 months Um, I think it's just over a year since Dundalk have been awarded a penalty in in the league. They got one in the FAI Cup semi-final in Derry last year, if I remember rightly. But it's it's been over a year since they've been awarded one in the league. It was against Sligo Rovers at Oil Park last year. And I think coming up, it was just approaching the the year anniversary, if if you like, of that. And and Stephen Kenny sort of took to the Dundalk website to point out that in the same amount of time, Cork had 13 penalties um, awarded in their direction in the same amount of time. So, look, um, you know, we get this all the time from managers, you know, trying to trying to you know put sort of put sort of ideas maybe in, into people's heads. So, um, I think that was his intention. But as we all we all seen on Friday night, it sort of backfired. Uh, the the was penalties or or pop, but unfortunately, from, from a dog point of view, it went to it and went Bray Wanderers. And um, when it went away, Bray Wanderers two highly controversial penalties. Um, as, as, as you can imagine, Stephen Kenny wasn't, wasn't too pleased with. He wasn't with, too
0: pleased, and we'll get to his articles that kind of followed on from all of this after the weekend, after they beat UCD, coincidentally enough, or ironically enough, if you want to go along the Alanis Morris set line on, on, uh, uh, on penalties. But this is what he said after the Bray game to Jerry Malone of LMFM a game in which they conceded two penalties.
4: And I've watched both penalties on the video, and neither of my penalties, and certainly. Um, that's that's so it's bizarre, really, you know. So listen, it was kicking the teeth of the players. They showed the courage to come back and get the get the equaliser. And when the second penalty went in, we lost our heads a little bit in that period. We could have been, you know, we could have been a bit calmer, but certainly um, we
2: have to accept the defeat. That's the way it is. On the week that was in it, as you as you'd be making this I'd said, I've been said in the media that you know Dundalk weren't getting the penalties. Do you think that that statement had any bearing on tonight's game? Well, uh, you'd like to think it wouldn't have
4: had, but obviously it did, you know, and I think uh, that's the bizarre, That's the, you know, you think every the referee would be objective and anything else would be irrelevant and the referee would take each game in its merits, but that didn't seem to be the case and that's that's uh, disappointing.
2: You went in to see the referee after the game, did did you get talking to him?
4: No, he didn't want to speak, didn't want to speak.
2: You know. and, and your circumstances as a manager and your long experience in management, has that ever happened to you before where a manager has refused to talk to you?
4: No, listen, just, it's, it's a bad night for us and I think it's uh, very disappointing. So we just have to accept it.
0: So there we go. That's Stephen Kenny after the defeat to Bray. Now, also speaking on Friday night with John Caulfield, he says, regards Kenny's original comments. It was an astonishing attack on League of Ireland referees and assistant referees. I'm sure the relevant authorities will deal with it. How many goals have we scored this season? 23, 26 with the President's Cup. So in 2017, we've had one penalties. I think the authorities need to deal with it, he repeated. It's an astonishing attack on the referees and the assistant referees. That's the way I read it. Now, speaking to you on dundalksport.ie, Gavin, on Monday night, Stephen said, I didn't criticise the officials. I referenced the fact that players are manufacturing penalties and that referees need to be more vigilant to it. That was the main point of it. It's not an easy job for referees to do that, and it's difficult for them to ascertain that at times. Players are creative in doing it, if I can use that word. I think his, he's talking about Caulfield here. His personal attack on me is quite low. As a fellow manager, you should never launch personal attacks like that, and that is disappointing. He added. So that's what he said to you on Monday night.
3: Yeah, he wasn't. Um, he wasn't. He wasn't too happy. I don't think with. with John Caulfield's um, calls for the for the FA to to throw the book at him for, for for his for his comments last week. And in fairness, I, I read back over I read back over what he what he did say on the dog website. And and as as such, there was no actual direct criticism of, of referees. I think I think he did he did reference you know sort of Cork City's penalties. And I think the one that's sticking out in, in the minds of people in the dog is Sean McGuire's against Shamrock Rovers and Tyler recently. Um, where where it was awarded it was a it was a soft penalty. And of course the one that I think the one that sparked all of this off is the the, the decision not to award the penalty against Cork in the the recent game at Turner's Cross when Kieran Kilduff and then, um I think it was Mark McNulty sort of clipped yeah, in the and, butt. And,
0: and as you're aware, Gavin, I'm a Cork City fan and I said at the time and I say it since that was an absolute stone wall penalty how much of this from Stephen is about the actual issue though and how much is maybe a bit of distraction because they haven't had a great start to the league and Stewie Byrne was talking off the ball about this during the week on the League of Ireland slot he said maybe just maybe this is the wrong time to say something like this
3: yeah I suppose look it'd be a lot easier to say it if if, it'd be a lot easier to come out with something that's suppose if you're six six points clear or nine points clear at the top rather than Rather than sort of chasing, chasing Cork City and coming out with it, um, look. I, I think, as I said, the, the fact that it was coming up to a year, a year sort of anniversary, as I say, if you if you if you like that, the reward of their last penalty in the league. I think I think he probably had it in his mind, but as events have unfolded over the over the last couple of days, I say two two given against them on on Friday night. Um, at Oriel Park, it was, look, it was almost, it was nearly in the script that something like that was going to happen after, after his comments last week, and then of course there was six six penalties on on Easter Monday, at, uh, in the in the ES Cup game against against the UCD, where it went the penalty shooters. So look, we, we've seen this thing, we've seen this thing. In England, over the last 15-20 years, of managers just throwing out these little snippets and, and and hoping that it's going to have some sort of effect on arrivals. rivals. But at this moment in time, it looks like it's 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 backfired on Dundalk. Um, that 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 result, as we all know, on Friday night leaves them nine points nine points behind, which it's a big big gap even at this early stage of the season.
1: Gavin, you've mentioned there about obviously uh, managers in England have done this for years, and one of the ones that comes into my head is uh, Rafa Benitez's inf- infamous fax uh, rant that he had a few years ago. But that was near the end of the season. We're not even a third of the w- a third of the way through this year's Premier Division campaign, and even though Cork have such a, a large gap at the top of the table as he admitted. Is this a sign of panic from Stephen Kenny? He can be like he's a very intelligent manager. He knows exactly what he's saying in his program notes, but this <coughs> seems to be something that he may have jumped the gun too early on.
3: Yeah, it's, I suppose from outside, from from outside the dock, you, you you could probably look at it and think, yeah, well, they, they seem to be rattled. The um, you know, three defeats in the, in the first nine games—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's definitely not the start I would have wanted. But look, he, he's referenced. I remember last. Remember last year when he was mentioned, Chris Packett, But Chris Packett goes down at Turner's Cross. he'd get a penalty. Um, I suppose. Uh, that or kills. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, it was uh, 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 if it's Turner's Cross, any any Chris Packard goes in, and get one. I see. <laughs> 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 but um, we, we've seen him. We've seen him. We've seen him mention this before. And look, I think I think it's I think it's I think it's only good to see. There's there's a there's a rivalry. There's obviously a rivalry there. Coffey, John Coffey's comments. Coming back on Friday night, in fairness, he didn't. He didn't have to respond to them, but you can see that there is. There's a there's a healthy rivalry there between between both clubs, both managers, both sets of players, both sets of supporters. And look, I think it's only good for the league that it's 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 you know this sort of things
0: going on. Gavin, just before we let you go, you mentioned there the players that the dog have missed. I've seen them a couple of times this season. They look sometimes like they're getting close to what they were, and then other times they look a little bit unsteady, which is perfectly understandable given the squad numbers that they're missing or the players that that have left and the fact that they're trying to bring in new guys and they're still to step up but they will, I'm convinced of it um, Stephen O'Donnell, massively important it's a bit of a cliche nearly to say at this stage about Dundalk, how important O'Donnell is but we saw last week the composure he added when he's on the field yes they lost, a couple of controversial decisions but O'Donnell proved in that game that Dundalk, regardless of who they're missing so long as he's there, they're a better side
3: yeah, definitely, he's the, he's the he's the heartbeat of the team. Um, and just say, uh, uh, up there, he's up there with Greg Bulls I think as head and shoulders above any other midfielders in the in the country. Um, he's been missing. For, he only played. He only played seventy minutes of the first game of the season, and he's been out ever since. And and obviously, the problem the log have had since then is they've lost Robbie Benson, Patrick McIlhenney's been injured for a couple of games, so. At the start of the season, I think everybody was looking at the midfield area and thinking, whoa, they're, they're, they're really overstocked in there. They've got plenty of options. Okay. But really, in the last couple of weeks, it's, it's been Conor Clifford and Chris Shields, and that's been it. There's been no other sort of alternative. So, look, O'Donnell, O'Donnell played 45 minutes against UC on Monday night. That was the aim. Um, I think, they're, I think they're, they're, they're bringing him back gradually in the hope that you know he can get a clear run of games because he is, he is so important to that team.
0: Okay, Gavin McLaughlin, editor of ie. Thank you very much for joining us on News Talks SSE Airtricity League podcast. And as Gavin pointed out, Stephen Kenny is not silly. He knows exactly what he's doing and what he's saying to the press, what he's putting out there. He wants out there.
1: Yeah. As like we've said his his program notes, his, he's like even when you interview the man, he's in a way he's a very awkward person to interview because he takes so much time in what he says, he puts every effort into every answer he gives that he's he's not going to make any flippant remarks when he says something, he means it and he knows exactly what he's saying.
0: I enjoy it because he is obviously really thinking oh, of course. about yeah, what he's yeah. saying like to you and he, he never gives he a cliched, Yes, that's yeah, exactly what I going he, he doesn't never, give cliched answers. He never does the Asher, look, we're just taking it one game at a time. He actually engages with the interviewer and engaging with the interviewer means you're engaging with your fans and your audience if you want to be way And put even after that,
1: that 5 seconds of awkwardness that we would hear on radio it was like that you wouldn't hear on radio. He doesn't care. He will think of his answer and how long it takes yeah. to get out the words he wants to say. That's how we'll do it. I'm a fan of Stephen Kenny. I am too. I really and am. You know what a manager has to mind his own patch. He
0: doesn't have to worry about the other 11 teams. He doesn't have to worry about what anyone outside of Dundalk thinks. All he has to worry about is what's happening with his team and what's happening Around the club. I think Stephen Kenny knows what he's doing, and I know that their start has not been perfect, but they will come good. As Gavin said, Stephen O'Donnell's return is a massive, massive deal. They take on Bohemians this Friday night at Oriel Park, and as I say, we'll be hearing from bowl striker Dinny Corcoran a little bit later on. But before that, Colin Healy announced his retirement this week at the age of 37. This is how it all started for him at Celtic
5: takes it great
0: finish from Healy Billy Woods formerly of Shamrock Rovers and Cork City and obviously formerly part of the Cork City coaching staff a player you would have worked with Colin Healy has decided to retire tell us how good Colin was
5: Um, I suppose I was fortunate to play with Colin first when he came back in 2007 a couple of years and then work with him when he came back in 2012 Um, as a player he was Absolutely exceptional, complete professional, um, dedicated, um, leadership skills on and off the pitch, quiet, very quiet, very unassuming, you'd never know, he'd never volunteer, um, never big himself up, but as a fair, he set standards on the training pitch, and I suppose he, he led by example, really with Open without Forceful and being vocal. he, he led it. Um, by example on the pitch, through training, the way he trained, the way he lived his life off the pitch. Um, absolutely exceptional player. Brilliant. Really, really top-notch. Um, I suppose look, I suppose everybody knows injuries. If Colin didn't have the injuries, he would have played in England for far longer than he played for. Um, but a brilliant player and a brilliant example to, to young lads of, of how to live your life and how to train properly day in, day out.
0: On the pitch, what stood him out? Was he a particularly good tackler? Or was he a particularly good distributor was he particularly good at all of those things was he just a good all-round midfielder
5: well, well i suppose when he came back in 2007 it, it, i i'd seen him as a kid playing underage for ireland so but i never realised he I, he was as good as passer as he was his passing range long and short is exceptional and um, took pride in his passing but his ability to close people down I, i've never played with anybody who could close people down quicker and was all over people um, and winning the ball back turning the ball over winning possession back that was exceptional. Um, obviously, his ability to get around the pitch in his prime was, was um, really good. His, 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 his stamina was exceptional. But as, as you said, his passing range is exceptional. Long and short, his delivery from set pieces. But his ability to get around the pitch and control the tempo of the game. Um, when he came back, himself and Joe Gamble would have played in the middle of the park and their ability to control the game. Um, the last few years, then when he it was a cork, he was like a garrowed, and Gary Buckley around him. So in, in, in a sense, his, his role changed and they became a sitting midfielder. And I think it sues him really with the two lads around him. Again, he controlled the tempo of the game by his passing range, long and short. Um, and as, as I said, he was just an exceptional player.
0: It sounds like he was a smart player because he started like a, a Kante type and then turned into something else like a Makaleli, kind of deep-lying midfielder, controlling the game, not bursting around the place because he just couldn't do it anymore. But, but when he had to, he did. He chose his moments.
5: I think his understanding of the game, I suppose, changed when oh, after those injuries where he would have been box to box, and he eventually became like a hole and sitting player. But as you said, right, an intelligent player, his ability to read situations, interceptions, turnover possession for Cork at that time was exceptional. And then his ability to retain the ball and keep keep Cork City playing was, was exceptional, really. As I said, he ended up playing alongside Garrod. Gary Buckley and I think his influence on the two of them you can look in my opinion you can see it this year and um, their football intelligence is come on leave and down from playing with the likes of Colin you know
1: Billy you mentioned there that uh, you were part of the team when he came back and what was he like when he came back from cross-channel obviously an international career very unlucky not to go to the World Cup uh, uh, plenty of honours as well at Celtic, but as you said, injury was the thing that uh, basically uh, blighted the first half of his career. So, what was he like when he came back? Was he, was he a player that was bitter in the situation that he was in, or was he there, uh, ready to give it all for his local team?
5: No, I, no, I, I think I can't stress that enough. That you know, you look at Conley's lost, probably lost three three seasons of his career, um, through injury. Right, I think it's very unfortunate with with two leg breaks. Um, he had a knee problem then, thing. But that's the one thing. If he, when you speak to him, and you've probably done interviews in the years. That he's he's not better. and um, to play at the level he's played at after those injuries, some players wouldn't come back. You know, it's only through his professionalism and dedication that he got back to the level he got back to. You know, that, that those injuries would have just finished people off, but he got back to the level he played at. And um, he won medals in Cork. You know, he set standards, and I think when he came back that time for Cork it was such a boost for us. You had a lad who walked into a change room. Everybody in the minute he walks in, the minute he speaks, he has your respect because he doesn't talk rubbish. You know, he, he doesn't speak for the sake of speaking. You know, you you play with players who talk, talk and talk. Colin's not like that. He's the most unassuming person you ever met for the, for what he's done in his career, for the level he's played at. You know, he, he doesn't he doesn't you know, he doesn't force his opinions down people's throats. But if he's got something to say and he's got an opinion, then he'll give his opinion. And it's constructive the way he does it. Um for us as a, as a team at Cork, it, w- it was brilliant for him to walk into a change room. Um, and he was exceptional. He was unfortunate that time. I, I don't know if you remember, himself and Garrett couldn't play for the first three or four months of that season, 2007, because of that three-club rule. But when he got playing, then he was brilliant. See, I think his first game we played Hammerby at home. He set up a goal for Roy Donovan. And he, was, he just set standards. He was brilliant. He was exceptional. His walk rate. But he, the thing that struck me was that the way he trained day in, day out. It never changed from, from that time when he came back to when he finished up at the end of last season. His professionalism and training, you know, you get some people who train for the sake of training, where he trained to get better. And that's, that, that, to my opinion, that's what separated him from most players, is that he trained every day as if it was his last day. He set standards in training. His, his belief in that training should be at match tempo um, differentiates him between other players. And you look at the clear he's had and that's the reason for it.
0: You're with News Talks SSE Airtricity League podcast and uh, you can tell Billy Woods really, really, really admires Colin
1: Healy, doesn't he? I think uh, Healy, as we mentioned there, he's one of those players in the league who sort of, he came back but went again to Ipswich and came back a second time. He never saw the league as beneath him. When he came back, he saw it as a way of improving his career, lengthening his career. And over his two spells, he was certainly, he'd be a modern day legend of Cork City.
0: I worked in Red FM. In 2002 You've never mentioned this That was an interesting time Because obviously you had Saipan The World Cup and all of that Mm -hmm. And one of the funniest outros To a voice report from the scene of a story Was from Jonathan Healy Who was actually working for FM 104 at that time But we were kind of partnered together Because we had the same owners And one of the outros to Jonathan's reports was Outside Colin Healy's house in Cork I'm Jonathan Healy Basically No relation by the way Basically For people who don't remember, for those who were too young to remember 2002, Colin Healy was on standby when Roy Keane uh, left the panel.
1: Colin Healy was the replacement. Sorry, was was sent away from the panel. Colin Healy was the replacement uh, for Roy Keane. I think he was in the airport ready to go. And then when Keane had his uh, brief return to the squad and then left once more, it was too late to return Healy to the squad. Well, no, I don't
0: think he actually... Returned to the squad He actually Everyone thought Okay he might come back here Yeah But and then, by the time It was yeah. realised
1: That he wasn't going to come back It was too late yeah, for him Which was
0: really unfortunate For Colin And yeah. at that stage We thought Okay It won't happen from this time But hopefully he'll be there For 2004 sir. The yeah. European Championships In Portugal Obviously we didn't get there And he just had A horrible run of injuries But as Billy was saying there Still had a great career And,
1: and has become an icon In his own town And that's not easy To do in Cork And he's ended it With a cup final win What more could you want? Exactly. Well, maybe a league title, but... Yeah, was, but he set was, up... It, co- was a, like, like, it was a good if, way to If end it Cork clear.
0: City win the league this year, his fingerprints are all over of that. Of course. He has left a legacy at Cork. And who knows, he might go back in a couple yeah. of weeks, couple of months, whatever. And
1: by the sounds of what Billy's saying, he definitely sees a future for Colin in the League of Ireland. Whether it's at Cork or not, we don't know, but there seems to be... It's not the last we've heard of Colin Healy. Oh, certainly not. Certainly not. Right, let's
0: hear from Diddy Corcoran of Bohemians. Bo's playing Dundalk this Friday night at Oriel Park, um, Dinny, You've had a bit of injury trouble recently. How are you?
6: Uh, not great. I've been better. Uh, it was against Galway. I lunged for the ball and whatever way I went for, it. I went over my knee and got a scan, and it was a strained medial ligament, so a grade two. So the, the physio said it could be anywhere up to around six weeks. So um, yeah, this Friday be five weeks, and unfortunately, it's still still not hundred percent. So it'll be another week or two, unfortunately, before I'm back. But yeah. Very frustrating
0: it's obvious that a player is frustrated when they can't play but is it worse when it's this kind of in- injury when you know it, you're not quite sure when you'll be back and even when you do come back you kind of don't know how you are until you play on it
6: yeah it's this, this injury it's it's very frustrating i've never had one like it i mean i can i'm up to nearly an sprint and pace and straight line running and on in the gym and i can squat heavy and lunge and do all, all the Strength stuff on the leg, but once I go on the pitch, then and I just have no strength in my leg when I'm kicking the ball. It feels like it's gonna snap. So it's I've never had an injury like it because, like I said, I can do most things other than kick the ball. So yeah, it's the the time frame is annoying as well. I don't know when I'm gonna be back. So yeah, it's it's very frustrating, and I'm just I'm just looking forward to getting back.
0: And this early in the season, considering the form you were in before the injury, is it hard for you to not push yourself? When you're coming back from an injury like this, is it hard for you to follow the advice of the physios and the medical staff by not doing um, too much or too little or whatever?
6: Uh, no, I, 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 obviously I just I listen to what the physios say, but at the end of the day, it's my body. I know best how it feels, and no, I, de- I definitely wouldn't go back early you now and, and risk doing it. It's a, it's a strange injury. Like it, it's not like I can play through with the pain. It's it's real. I physically just can't play the game so I'll know myself when it's right to come back and um, I'll just make sure it's 100% ready to go.
0: How are you with handling injury now? Because it's something that you've had to deal with unfortunately uh, during certain spells of your career.
6: Yeah, um, it doesn't get any easier. It's Any player just wants to be playing week in, week out and especially the form I was in I was, I was enjoying my football again after a disappointing season last year so it's um, it's it's very frustrating, and there's nothing worse than just watching your your teammates train and play games while well, you can't. So um, it's it's very hard to deal with. But I mean, I do, I'm just focused on getting it better now and doing my own bits bits and pieces and getting back as quick as possible. But it's not easy.
0: Well, the only good thing is that you won't suffer loneliness in the Bulls <laughs> physio room at the moment, will you? There's quite a few of you in there.
6: Yeah, unfortunately, so yeah, we're missing well. Izzy and Owen Weir, and obviously, are kind of long-term injuries, so they're they're not training either. And then Jamie Doyle and Ian Morris kind of picked up injuries as well. So, yeah, like you said, it's it's a busy physio room at the moment, and a lot of key players as well, which is which is unfortunate. But that's 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 football. It's the way it goes. We're just gonna have to cope with it and focus on each game.
0: Is there other stuff that you can work on when you're not able to train fully? I mean, do you? work on kind of the mental side of things do you work on something physical maybe with the upper body what do you do yeah, when you're injured
6: yeah there's there's like like you said the i can do all upper body stuff and i can actually do quite a bit of stuff out on the pitch like running wise and keeping my cardio up as much as i can for when i'm back so yeah there's always stuff you can do on it like I, i'm at the stage now where I, I, I just need to strengthen the knee so <clears throat> there's a lot of strength work i'm doing so I'm training as hard as the rest of the lads if not harder but unfortunately I just can't play the game so yeah you, you're definitely, you can definitely keep busy while well injured alright yeah
0: Yeah Look I guess it's not quite like Gaelic football and I know you've played a bit of that in your time as well where mm. guys can kind of target your injury so you're not going to have to wear a bandage on the opposite knee to the one that's injured just so guys <laughs> will target your healthy knee but, <laughs> but is there a worry when you come back about you know going into tackles or are you a guy who can just get back out onto the pitch and get into it straight away?
6: Uh, no, I don't worry about it too much once I get back because I, I like to get maybe a full week's training beforehand so I, I know 100% in my mind it's right. I wouldn't go back any earlier if I had a doubt in my mind because I wouldn't be able to give 100%, you know, mm. so I, I definitely wait, let's wait till I know myself it's ready. So, um, yeah, I'll make sure I get a good bit of training in beforehand so I know it's, it's ready to go.
0: And what's it like when you play your first game back after a bit of a layoff? Hopefully, this layoff won't be too long. Do, do your lungs burn? Does it take you longer to recover from sprints or between sprints? How does it work?
6: Um, yeah, I find it a bit tougher because, like I said, I can do all the cardio stuff on, on the training pitch, but a match match situation is completely different. It, I don't know why that is, but it, that's the way it is. So um, yeah, you do find it a bit bit long burn, as you say. But I'll, I'll gradually get into it, and as the matches go on, I'll, I'll be back to where I was. And, Hopefully scoring goals again, but yeah, it is tough getting back into it, especially if you're out for a good good few weeks. You know, you kind of lose the match sharpness and fitness.
0: Yeah, we were five games into the league when you got your injury, and you'd already scored five goals. You were bang in form. Uh, I was just looking through your record there. Even at times where there was long gaps between when you got games for whichever of the clubs you were with, your goal to game ratio is actually really good. How is that? Were you always? A sharp finisher, or like that? Um, yeah, I'd like to think I've
6: always just had a, a good eye for a goal, and I think finishing is probably my my strongest attribute. And I I just I get in the box as much as I can, and have got a great desire to score goals. So um, yeah, I, I'm quite happy with my like you said, my goal to game ratio was pretty good. And whenever I play, I just look to score. So um, and this year has it started off well. Unfortunately, the injury is terrible timing, but hopefully i pick up again where I left off and keep scoring, yeah.
0: Did you go to finishing school by which, I mean, did you work with certain strikers, uh, forward coaches, how, how how did you get so good at finishing? <laughs> Actually,
6: I don't know, I suppose just training on it and hard work and yeah, it's a bit of natural ability as well, I just have a good eye for goal and then, obviously, I've played with great strikers like Eamon Zaid and Gary O'Neill and Jason Byrne there at Bowles. and you learn things off them as well as you go, you're never too old to be learned, so yeah, I've just had a good knack for a coin, kind of, and luckily I've, I've done okay. Yeah.
0: What's the most important lesson you would have learned off the likes of Zaid and Jason Byrne, two internationals?
6: Yeah, I, I think the things I the things I learned off them. The main thing is just their their kind of desire to score, even in training. And it didn't matter; they'd they'd be getting annoyed if it wasn't going their way. And you see people that in training that it looks like they don't they don't care, you know what I mean? But them two, they just have such a desire to score, no no matter if it's a training game or what they'd get angry if they if it wasn't if they weren't scoring, you know, and that kinda kinda sunk into me then looking at them doing, and yeah, I like to think I've been like that since now as well. So yeah, just just things like that, you know.
0: Um, this is your third spell at Bohemian's and I'm just looking at what the manager said when you re-signed. He said he didn't play much this year with St. Pat's but then he had a good year with Sligo in twenty fifteen. He really feels at home at Daily Mount. He's delighted to be back. He's an excellent professional and I'm really looking forward to working with them, those are interesting comments that you felt or feel at home at Daily Mount
6: yeah definitely like I think it was 2014 my last season there before I went to Clio and um, it was my my best season today and my most enjoyable it's just something about the club I just love I think the whole the whole backroom staff the fans are brilliant the all the teammates and all there's just something to it I love going out in Daily Mount every second Friday and yeah, I just kind of feel most at home there. I didn't no disrespect to what our but I just didn't feel as wanted or as as loved at the club, you know. So yeah, I, I always kind of wanted to get back, and I'm I'm delighted now. I'm enjoying it as more as much as ever now. Yeah, to be back
0: as a neutral observer, I've always found Bohemians as a football club to be kind of more like Bohemians as a community.
6: Yeah, that's it. that's quite kind of how it feels. They, they 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 welcome you brilliantly, and I I, I think they make everyone feel very yeah. Wanted and welcome there. I know other players have spoke to I won't their name names, but they, they've left in previous years and um, they've they've kind of regretted as well. They say it, it's nothing like Bowes was, you know. So it must have that effect on everyone, kind of, you know. And it, it's great. I, I love it. So yeah, there is a community feel to it, kind of. Yeah.
0: They are quick enough to tell you some of the fans, though, when uh, when you're not doing your job. Do you ever find that? Not really. I think that's
6: one of the things I love about the fans. Yeah. I mean, previous clubs. I've been get I've got hammered, you know, if I haven't been doing it, did they really get on your back? Well, it's not so much. They kind of, you know, obviously I get the Facebook message and stuff and it's more kind of like, oh, unlucky, next yeah. time go again, you know, rather than, oh, that's But right That's interesting because they have
0: a reputation of getting on top of their own team during games if things aren't going well. But um, you haven't found I
6: that. Have, yeah. I haven't found that at all. Now, I find it the opposite. Even the last few weeks, things haven't been going well and the fans have been brilliant. They're just, I know it's kind of different to what they'd have been used to yeah. a few years back. challenging for titles and all, you know. I think they just appreciate that the lads here we're not getting much money and compared to other clubs, you know, and we're just playing for the jersey now. And I think they appreciate it, you know.
0: Yeah, they're good footballing people. They get exactly what the situation is. They know that a title challenge is unrealistic, so they're not frustrated by that. They just want to see you guys work hard, which, in fairness, you have been doing. And I know you weren't you weren't playing uh, last Friday night, but. I mean they put up a good showing against Cork City and when you can do that it suggests you're not far away
6: yeah absolutely yeah um, like I said like, they would have been challenging for titles a few years back and it probably it's a massive change like when you go from that to, to where we are now kind of hoping to stay in the league you know but um, yeah like the Cork game for example was brilliant to pack house and to be honest with you I thought we were the better team for the majority of that game yeah, And that's got to be a boost for the fans and ourselves, you know, the whole club. and Obviously, it was unfortunate not to get any from it, but um, we showed what we're capable of. And that's, that's without a good three or four of our key players. So mm. we do have a bit of strength and depth. and um, Yeah, the fans just need to keep getting behind us. Hopefully things will turn now when we get a few bodies back, you know.
0: You mentioned your time away from Bowles and how maybe that time has made you a better player. And certainly, I guess during that time you yourself as a person have been getting a bit older and a bit more mature and just growing up you played at Sligo played at UCD played at Drada played at Shells played at the now defunct Sporting Fingal at Sligo where it's a kind of a different vibe to the Dublin clubs was that was that tough at the time but in retrospect a good thing it kind of maybe hardened you up it helped your mentality Um, I don't know I think it was different because it was
6: my first time moving away from home, living away from home, you know, and yeah, looking after myself, I suppose it did kind of mature me as a person. And, but um, no, I didn't I didn't find it much different. At the, at the end of the day, you're playing football and that's your job, it's the same wherever you are. So I didn't find it a massive difference, you know, but um, yeah, it was a good experience, but um, I, I was kind of looking forward to coming back to Dublin towards the end of it, already, just to be around friends and family kind of, but it wasn't a massive change. No, I, I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, and home is home. We mentioned that you yeah. play Gaelic football. How does that feed into making you a better association football player?
6: Um, I I only played the Gaelic kind of because it was with my friends and yeah. brothers and stuff, you know. And I was never never mad into it. I I did enjoy it, but soccer was always number one. And I don't think it's improved me in any way in the soccer, you know. I <laughs> mean, you know, I don't people might think it has physically or something, but it hasn't really, you know. It's, yeah. Completely different game, and I, I don't think I've taken anything from the guy into the soccer. To be honest with you,
0: yeah, it's not like in uh, soccer you can go around shouldering people and pushing people yeah, out the exactly. way and getting rid of it. Danny, yeah. just before we let you go, what are your own personal names for the season, or or do you set out personal names? Are you one of those kind of players?
6: Uh, no, I don't. I don't set targets and stuff. I just I feel every game you play, you should aim to do your best, and it's mm. simple as that. I mean, that that's that's my target. If you want, I don't set a number because I think. I used to do that and if I'm not getting near it I'm kind of getting frustrated and it's affecting me. So I just nowadays I just go out every time give 100% obviously hope to score goals as a striker and that's that's just my mentality. You know, yeah.
0: And collectively as a group do you have a target or again is it very much as you say don't go setting targets because you can lose focus?
6: Well well, we did speak obviously at the start of the year about obviously with the whole three teams going down now it's, it's going to be it's going to be very tough with I think every club and teams got more competitive this season because they want to stay up so as a team obviously our, our aim is to avoid the drop and um, you never know I might get a good run in the cup or so but yeah the main objective is to, to stay in the league and then build from there
0: Yeah it's an interesting league this season isn't it because you, you know if you win a game one week everyone says well you'll be fine you'll be safe and then the next week you lose a game and you're right back down there
6: Yeah it's it's very tight now at the bottom I think the bottom 6 or 7 teams there's not many points in it so a win, a win is massive, yeah, like you said, but one win can get you up a few places. But that's uh, still a relatively early day, so there'll be lots of twists and turns. But uh, we hope to not be in the dogfight come the end of it.
0: Did't really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us on News Talks SSE Electricity League podcast.
6: No bother at all. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, that's almost it for News Talks SSE Electricity League podcast for this week. But, Dan, we still have to play the audio of the week, and it's not a goal commentary. Or an interview Well it actually is a sort of, yeah. It is a sort
1: of Goal commentary but It's certainly a commentary Yes Not maybe from It's come from An unusual source
0: Yes Okay Picture the scene It's St. Pat's against Bray It's an epic EA Sports Cup Battle in the heat <laughs> Of Inchicore On Bank Holiday Monday Yes it finished nil all But that's a minor detail It goes to penalties and Aaron Green, who's having a great season for Bray, steps up to take his spot kick. He's up against his former club. The fans are trying to put him off, one in particular. But could he prove the doubters wrong? So So what happens next? He earns the respect with the goal. (laughs) No, he doesn't. You're still (laughs) shite. Clip of the week from... um, I'm St. not Pass sure who TV. put it up on Twitter But was St Pats TV yes, put it up? Yes it was Okay uh, Brilliant stuff Okay let's go through the fixtures On Friday night It's Bray against Shamrock Rovers Dundalk taking on Bows, St Pats up against Cork City uh, Limerick taking on Galway And Finn Harps playing Drogheda all of those games kicking off at 7.45 except the Harps Harps Drogheda match which is away at 8 on Saturday night it's Sligo Rovers against Derry and then Derry back in action next Tuesday in their refixture against Limerick at McGinn Park
1: Dan what about the First Division? There are three games on Friday night it's the bottom two against each other in Athlone Town Stadium at 7.45 it's Athlone against Wexford Cabin Tealy take on Waterford also 7.45 in Stradbrook that's probably the game of the weekend and Shelburne take on UCD in Talca Park also at 7.45 Saturday evening it's Cove against Longford at 7:15, and Waterford finally seem to have got a bit of a gap yeah. now at the top of Keith the fixture. Keith Andrews linked to Waterford, interestingly enough,
0: and they seem to have a good setup
1: already. So I'm not going to say it's hard to know what he'd bring, but it's hard to know what more they're looking for. Yeah, like they have Al- Alan Reynolds, they have yeah. Pat Fenlon the Scene to have it like uh, I a saw, good club structure, yeah, Like, now, I yeah. saw a picture of the RSC a few weeks ago and the place seemed packed yep. for a game, so like the crowds are coming back, but they are top. Uh, every team has played eight games, they're on seven, uh, 17 points. UCD and Cove three points behind on 14, Shelburne on 12, and Cabin on yep. 11. Hard to imagine that Keith Andrews wouldn't add something if he of went to, yeah. Um,
0: what about the women's the Continental Tires at Women's National League
1: they're at uh, P-Mount who are the league leaders on nine points have the weekend off due to the uneven amount of teams in the league There are seven so there's three games this weekend two games on Saturday it's Galway against Kilkenny United at six o'clock and Wexford Jude's take on Shelburne at half seven and on Sunday at two o'clock it's UCD Waves against Cork City okay that's it from him Daniel Kelly And you can get him on Add a Daniel on Twitter And I'm
0: O'Sheen Langan And just in case You get ahead of yourself Remember This piece of advice <laughs> Have a good week Bye-bye. Bye bye Bye